Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. Jesus is enough. So grateful that you join us today on our digital stream of our Sunday message at Redeeming Hope. Uh, As we continue our series, Isaiah 53, God with us, which sort of marks the Advent calendar as we move toward Christmas Day, which is, you know, the time when we are really celebrating symbolically the arrival of Christ to this world. And so we're going through Isaiah 53 um, and, and looking at this beautiful text of scripture that not only foretells Christ, but what he would be like, his character, and what he would do for us. So before we get into that, just a few things by way of vision and announcement. Uh, I want to communicate our values. Uh, Recently, Josh and I decided that we wanted to add faith to our values, and these values are just based on our mission statement, which I'll I'll recite in a moment. Uh, But we really wanted to make sure we emphasized um, all four of these values from our mission statement, which is that we exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others to find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. And so the four values we wanna pull out of that are family, that God's called us together as a family. He's called us into his family. Number two, faith. Um, That's the center of the gospel. Uh, Everything in the Christian life is shaped by our faith in Jesus. We orbit around uh, this idea of justification by faith. That is that we are rescued, not by our works, but by Jesus' work and believing in that and receiving that as a free gift. And so we wanted to really emphasize that because we believe it's such a central part of the gospel. It's such a, a central part of the, you know, the, the building blocks that build a, a Christian community and build Christian family. And so we, we've added that to our vocabulary, uh, even though it was already in our mission statement. And uh, we just wanted to share that with you t- today. Family, faith, following. You know, the mission statement says we want to live all of life as missionaries of hope. In other words, not just Sunday. We just want to go to church on Sunday and then kind of forget about Jesus the rest of the week. But what does it look like to submit our lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area? Our families, uh, our jobs, uh, our hobbies, our academics, our relationships, uh, our sexuality, our, our resources, our finances. What does it look like to submit all those things to Jesus Christ in a way where we say, Lord, be glorified in my life in every way, in every area of my life, and help me live every day for your glory. Now, of course, we don't do that perfectly. We're all under, we're under grace. We live by grace through faith, and yet we seek to worship him and show him gratitude and adorn his grace in our lives with uh, the the beauty of following him and what that looks like. And so that's one of our uh, main values as well, our core values as well. And finally, finding. Uh, We believe God is a missionary and he's called us together as missionaries to reach out to the world around us in his name that we don't have to, we get to be a part of seeing his name glorified in this world and exalted where he was once humiliated. And we wanna do that right here in Clarksville. We wanna see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ, the aroma of Christ, as the New Testament says, uh, go all around Clarksville and, and that people would see Jesus for who he is and what he has done through our lives as we go on mission in his name. A few things by way of announcement. First of all, groups. Uh, Groups are a big part of what we do at Redeeming Hope. Uh, We gather on Sundays and then we gather during the week in groups. And that's a place where we build relationships and we 
We study the gospel together. We pray for one another. We serve one another. We bear one another's burdens. It's a really beautiful expression of God's family. And we'd love for you to be a part of one of our groups. We have uh, women's groups, men's groups. We have uh, Hope Youth Christmas Party. Actually, tonight, um, by the time you see this, it will be probably behind us. Um, and, and, and yet, so we've got all these groups and yet we also have uh, sort of all ages groups where we believe it's great. It's a great thing for people to come together, whole families to come together. So, you know, ch- children uh, can interact with parents and families can interact with families and the old can interact with the young. We think that's a beautiful thing. It's an important thing that we don't just separate the demographics you know, all the time in our church culture, but we come together and grow together in Christ. And that happens in groups. So there's groups that you can be a part of now. There's other groups that are going to be launching in 2023. Um, if you are interested in that, you can contact Josh at redeeminghope.org. And um, next announcement, we're in the Advent season and we wanted to talk about what we're going to do for uh, Christmas weekend. Christmas is on a Sunday and though we normally have our church gatherings on Sunday mornings, that is Christmas Day and it's sort of a natural time when culture takes a Sabbath and rests. And so we're going to have our our church service on Saturday night, Christmas Eve, six o'clock at the Y. It's going to be a great time. It'll be our normal Christmas service, but of course it'll be the culmination of celebrating the Advent season and celebrating the birth of Jesus and coming into this world. If you'd like to give to Redeeming Hope, we'd be grateful if you would join us in that way on our mission here in Clarksville, Tennessee. You can give at redeeminghope.org backslash give. And uh, of course, you can always come to uh, one of our gatherings and give in person. Um, But we are grateful that you would pray about that and join with us, partner with us together as we are on mission here in Clarksville. Let's get into the word now. We are in Isaiah chapter 53 And today we're going to be in verses 7 through 9 as we continue our series, God With Us. And the title of today's message is An Unlikely Substitute. So the first week was an unlikely savior. Uh, Last week was an unlikely salvation. Today is an unlikely substitute. You know, we say Jesus loves us and we are undeserving sinners. We say that in a lot of different ways all the time as Christians. And we say that Jesus was a pure, spotless sacrifice. We sing that. We put it in our songs. Sometimes, though, those things we say can become cliche. You know, in other words, we're so used to hearing them that they lack the power that they ought to have in our lives, and our understanding is really only on the surface. So let's take these things out of the cliche, the realm of cliche. What does it really mean to say Jesus loves us and we're undeserving sinners and he was a pure, spotless sacrifice? This text we're looking at today helps us to mine those very ideas. Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 9 in the ESV. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, there's treasure here, like someone walking along a path slowly to look for treasure. They don't want to miss anything. Lord, we don't want to miss anything. Help us to walk slowly, Lord, through this text today that we could find and see the treasure that you're giving us through these gospel words, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So again, this was a, a, a prophecy, part of a prophecy that was given by Isaiah the prophet foretelling of this, um, this character that would have been called the suffering servant uh, in the Old Testament or the Messiah, uh, the deliverer. And they were expecting someone to come who would sort of embody what Isaiah foretold here. But with Isaiah, it's almost like he's, he's watching Jesus grow up uh, prophetically, uh, 800 years before he ever came, he's watching Jesus prof- with prophetic eyes and gives us this beautiful uh, text of scripture to foretell uh, what Jesus would be like, what he would do for us when he came to save us. And so the question is, I think it's a good question, why was a death necessary to save us? And the writer of Hebrews explains this. In Hebrews 9.22, he says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So built into God's law, God's design for uh, the universe and for his holiness to be honored and respected and uh, built into uh, the law of Moses is this idea that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins, that there would have to be a sacrifice in order for there to be forgiveness. And another way to think of this is, you know, maybe in, in, in a modern picture of rescue, someone is drowning and therefore someone needs to go in the water. A radical problem requires a radical solution. That's the idea. And there's three things we see in the text today. His innocence, our guilt, and his sacrifice or his substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus was our unlikely substitute. Let's talk about his innocence. Have you ever wondered why did he have to do it? Why did it have to be God to die on the cross for us? Why couldn't someone else do it? And that's a great question. The answer is every person ever born to a woman is born in sin, except for Jesus. He was born of a virgin. And you can't die for someone else's sin if you have your own sin. So for Jesus to be with, without, to, for Jesus to be our substitute, he needed to be without sin. So the big million dollar question is, was he? Was he? Could he actually die as an innocent, sinless person and therefore be the sacrifice for you and for me? Look at what it says in the text here in verse 9. It says, he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. And again, the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us more about the sinlessness of Christ when he says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus lived a human life. He was tempted by the same things we're tempted by, yet he never gave in, he never sinned, and therefore could be our sinless sacrifice. How? How could, how could a man do this? Well, he wasn't just a man. The only way that anyone could be without sin is impossible. The only way to be without sin is to be God himself. And I want you to listen to the claims of Christ about himself as he was interacting with the religious leaders in the book of John, verse 56 through 58. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. 
He saw it and was glad, Jesus said. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Wow. Jesus used the same name of God that Jehovah used when Moses was at the burning bush. Moses said, who shall I say is sending me? He said, I am that I am. And what is Jesus saying here? Before Abraham was, I am. He used the name of God to describe himself. And the religious leaders that were hearing him say that knew exactly what he was claiming, that Jesus was claiming that he predated Abraham. He used the name I am. He was claiming to be God. And these claims are all over scripture and all over the life of Christ. There have been many false teachings that make the claim that Jesus was just a man, only a man. Now, he was a man. Well, what percentage of him was a man? A hundred percent. But he was also fully God. Well, what percentage of him was God? A hundred percent. He had a dual nature, not 50-50, but a hundred hundred. Jesus was the only 200% man that's ever lived. And the reason this is so important is because if Jesus was just a man, that means he had sin. And if he had his own sin, he could not die for yours. And you and I are still left in hopelessness. We are still left in our sins. But God came in the form of Christ, born to give us second birth. Jesus came, as all the Christmas songs uh, tell, as we sing about. And this was totally unexpected that God would do this. It was, it was one thing for God to have a plan to save his people and to save us. It was a whole other thing for him to do it like this, for him to come down and wrap himself in flesh like this and do it like this. Jesus is the innocent man, not just of our crimes, but he committed none himself. And this text compares him to a lamb. It says, like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears silent, he opened not his mouth. In other places, when referring to Jesus' power, Jesus is called a lion. But here, he's called a lamb. A gentle lamb. Like one being led to the slaughter. Think about how innocent a little lamb is that's heading to a butcher. Think of the gentleness and willingness to follow the master's will right to the butcher. That's Jesus. That's his gentleness. That's his love. That's his character that he had as he marched toward the cross like a lamb led to the slaughter. Gentle, humble, innocent, unexpected, unlikely. God going to a cross as our substitute. We looked at his innocence. Let's look at our guilt. What does the text say about our guilt? It says in verse eight that he was stricken for the transgression of my people. You know, uh, Isaiah 53 also says, we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And here's the picture. You know, Jesus had no sin. You know, he was clean. We have a weight of sin. And when God looks down at us, so to speak. He, all he can see is our sin. The Bible says we, we all wandered like sheep, but the Lord has laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. Here's the gospel. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The sin that was on us, the judgment that we deserved, fell on Christ. He says he was stricken for the transgression of my people. Romans chapter 5, Paul writes even more about uh, our guilt when he says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's, I want you to kind of log that word in your mind. We're described as ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So this text, Paul refers to us as ungodly. And the Greek meaning of that word literally means to, to condemn God. It's to be ungodly is literally to be like anti-God. You are against God. It's a picture of, of people that God loves, that God created, condemning him and being anti-him. Another uh, explanation of the definition of, of the word used for ungodly is not giving him reverence or respect. It's not, it's not giving him the reverence or the respect he deserves. And what is the reverence or the respect that he deserves? He deserves to rule us. He's, he has a claim on our lives because he's our creator. He deserves to be king and lord of our hearts and sit on the throne of our hearts. And so to be ungodly means you reject his rule. It means you're condemning him while you're trying to sit on your own throne. And yet we're dying and drowning. So it's, it's literally like a drowning person flipping off his rescuers as he's sinking under the water. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Then it says that we were sinners. It says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I, I, I just love, especially in American culture today, being in this culture that's so like, uh, I don't know, oversensitive, easily offended. I just love how plainly the Bible talks to us. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. C.J. Mahaney in his book, Living the Cross-Centered Life, points out that we don't just sin, we are sinners. He says that we all have sin factories in our hearts that don't stop producing sins. Even if somehow we can outwardly stop sinning, Mahaney says, our hearts are still full of sin, so full of sin and wicked motives that our minds produce wicked thoughts. The sin factory just keeps producing sinfulness. And you know he's right. If I put up a video of your thoughts within the last 24 hours, you would bolt out of this room. And probably most of us would too. It's the standard of God's holiness is so pure and so holy, it's impossible to expect that we could ever attain it. Even if you are able to wash off a few sins. And I was talking to my son, my sons about this recently. We actually went to the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Ch Kansas City Chiefs game last weekend. I kind of surprised my boys with a trip uh, to Cincinnati. And, and we were actually listening to the, the message that Pastor Josh preached in the car and kind of debriefing it. And we were just talking about the nature of sin. And uh, Reese said, you know, it's kind of like, you know, try, trying to do better, um, trying to not sin, it's like trying to dry off something in the rain. You know, you dry it off and it's just like the rain just keeps hitting it and you just, you can't, you can't dry, <laughs> excuse me, you can't dry it off. 
we need salvation. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. And unless, here's the message of the gospel. Unless you're one of those, unless you're, unless you admit that you're one of those, I have no message for you today. There's no message in the gospel for you. If you will not recognize that you are among the sinners, that you are ungodly, that you have committed high treason against heaven and tried to usurp his throne, just like the rest of us. We need salvation from our sin. And here's how he did it. Verse seven, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. Look at his willingness to go. In the garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus was crucified, he said to the father as he faced the cross, not my will, but yours be done. From there, he was resolute, determined to go through with this, strangely silent, like a sheep being brought to a butcher. And verse nine of Isaiah 53 says, they made his grave with the wicked. This doesn't mean they had a special burial ground for the wicked, but that it means that Jesus was not buried in his family burial grounds. Similar to Absalom in the Old Testament, like he was cut off from the royal burial grounds when he tried to overthrow his father, David. It was considered a disgrace to be buried anonymously among the common people, not in your family burial grounds. And it's, it was also sad. And it says, they made his grave with the wicked. Jesus was cut off from his family, buried among the commoners, buried among the anonymous, so that we could be brought into God's family. Don't you see? He was cut off. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we could be brought in to God's family. The cross was violent. It's compared to the slaughter of an animal, like a, like a sheep before its shears, like a sheep is being led to the slaughter. Now, I'm not a hunter, but I have plenty of friends and family who hunt. And all I can envision when I, when I see this is, is like a skinned deer that I've seen, like hanging from hooks in, a, in the garage of my friend or in a tree, you know, in the front yard. Jesus hung on that cross, bleeding and naked and humiliated and wounded and dying. That's how he rescued us. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So this begs the question, who killed Christ? Well, the Romans did. Yeah. But wasn't it the plan of God? We have to conclude as we look at the story of Christ in scripture and what happened on that cross, that Jesus saved us from the wrath of God, that it was God who killed Christ, that God the Father allowed Christ the Son to be given over to the hands of his enemies so that he could become a sacrifice for us. Paul says that what Jesus endured on the cross was the wrath of God for sin. You wanna know how serious God is about sin? Look at the cross. Jesus saved us from the wrath of God by taking the wrath of God. 
beautiful quote by John Stott. He says this, the glory of the gospel is this, that the one from whom we needed to be saved is the one who has saved us. And that's the wild thing about what happened on the cross. Since Jesus was God and took the wrath of God for us, we must conclude that God saved us from God. That Christ, through his blood and his, the, the love of Christ, the, the sacrifice of Christ, propitiated, it's a wrath-removing sacrifice, the wrath of God. That Jesus saved us from God the judge. That God the Son saved us from God the Father, God the judge. It's a mysterious thing. It's a paradoxical thing. It's a beautiful thing. But Jesus drank the entire cup of, of God's wrath on the cross for us. In Gethsemane, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What was the cup? A few minutes later, he said, if it's not possible, then not my will, but yours be done. And then he went to the cross. The cup was not just the pain of the cross, but it was the wrath of God that Jesus would take on himself for our sins. Jesus drank the full cup of God's wrath. He became our substitute, our unlikely substitute. No one thought it would be God. And therefore, since he has been judged for our sins already, God will not judge the same sin twice. And therefore, we are free of the penalty and the power and one day the presence of our sin so that we can walk in the life and the freedom of the Spirit, knowing that we're under grace and we're free from sin. Our sins have been judged already in Christ. And that's why John said, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. John did not fear being punished on judgment day because he knew that his sins were already in Christ's wounds. Jesus, our substitute. Not just our moral hero, not just our example. No, that's every other religion, worldview, and philosophy in the world. Find your moral hero, imitate them, and hopefully things will work out for you. But that's not the gospel. The gospel says Jesus replaced you on the cross. He is your substitute, and that is our hope, and that is what Isaiah teaches us here. In verses 7 through 9, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. What a sacrifice, what a savior, what love. What's our response? Three things, believe, receive, and go. Believe that Jesus is your substitute. Receive that in your heart. Open your heart and say, Jesus, come into my heart. A apply your love and your, your blood to my heart like they did in, you know, on, the, on the doorposts in, the, in, the, in Egypt uh, when, the, when the Passover lamb came. They put blood on the doorpost. Lord, apply... Uh, the cross to my heart. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And now help me to go and follow you and to share the good news of the gospel with others. You know, if you were walking in the woods and you heard somebody crying out, and you ran and saw that someone had fallen through the ice, you know, in a, in a creek in the middle of the woods, and, um, you went to them and you tried to save them and you fell in as well with them trying to save them. And let's say that this person that was in the water realized that only one of you is getting out alive. So you, you, 
they put your feet on their shoulders and they push you out on the ice and they, they rescue you. And actually, I think if I'm gonna do this illustration correct, you are the one in the water at the beginning and the other guy comes to you. Sorry, I messed up my illustration a little bit, but you'll get it. And he pushes you out on the ice and you roll to safety and you look back and right before he goes through the water for the last time, he says, I want you to go find my, find my wife, find my, my family, my children and tell them I love them. Let me ask you a question. What responsibility would you have to this person if they rescued you and they asked you this one final request and then they went under the water and perished? What responsibility would you have to this person? I would say that you have a great responsibility. Probably the great mission of your life would be to find their family and to tell them what he did, that he rescued you. And in the same way, Jesus rescued us and he asked us to go and tell others who are drowning in that ice, drowning in that water, that they also need rescue. Yes, we'll be persecuted for it because people, we're born in sin and there's sin in this world and people are ungodly and people are sinners just like us. But just like the love of God broke through into your heart, as we go, in some, the love of God will break through in their heart as well. So let's believe that Jesus is our substitute. Let's receive that and apply it to our hearts and let's go into all the world and share the good news that Jesus has saved us. Thanks for watching today. I hope you're encouraged as you consider afresh the love of God in Christ, that in Christ, God saved us from his own judgment that was against us by bringing it on himself. And in that, we learn that Jesus loves us, he is for us, that God is for us, and no one can be against us, and that Jesus is enough. Thanks for watching today. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.